1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. It's always an honor and pleasure to be with you each week. And if you're listening today live on April 28th, you can certainly give us a call at 866-472-5788. This program, Positive Living, has been on the air now. hour in year number six. And we are all about change, positive change, turning your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and making your dreams come true. We have a very inspirational guest today. My guest is Marilyn Armstrong, and she is on the program today with her husband, Gary Armstrong. And Marilyn has written a very moving novel, which is really based on her own experience, and the novel is about coping with the emotional and spiritual debris left by her horribly abusive childhood while simultaneously grasping with the seemingly endless parade of crises. In the book, the novel, Maggie decides it's time to change her world by changing herself. And welcome, Marilyn, and welcome, Gary.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you
1: so, so Marilyn, good. it's really, in a
3: way, autobiographical, but through a novel. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. All the experiences happened, but not necessarily in the exact order. Uh, I changed the timeline a little bit. I compressed sometimes a couple of characters into a single character. Uh, You know, the things that you have to do to make a book move along. Okay.
1: Now, Gary, um, you're Marilyn's husband, and you have been in the whole entertainment field for a long time. Tell us a little bit about that and how you connected with the book.
2: Well, you know, I should say very quickly, um, I've known Marilyn since 1964, so um, I, I, I've had in many cases a, a close-up view of many of the things that are in your book. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, I, I, I sort of grew up with the entertainment business, uh, uh, working in radio and then in television, and just, just over the last few years, just uh, uh, sampling retirement shall we say, and looking looking back at um, a lot of things that we will talk, be, be discussing on the show today. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, did you, in, because
1: of your media background and you knew what Marilyn had gone through, did you encourage her to write this book or did she do it all on her own?
2: I think it's, it's half and half. I Actually, I've been encouraging my wife, who is, and I know this is kind of biased. I've been encouraging her to write a book for a long time, but I was actually encouraging her to write a book about dogs because we've had dogs in our lives for a long time, and uh, she hasn't done that yet. But she, what she has done, is write the book about uh, about the real life things that mm-hmm. she's had to deal with. Uh,
1: Marilyn, people. because you, you know, you really, this was based closely on your life as a victim of child abuse. How uh was it very difficult for you to enter into, re- into a relationship based on what you've been through as a child?
3: It was easy to enter into bad relationships. It was very hard to enter into healthy relationships. Oh,
1: that's interesting.
3: We have p- children who grew up abused have a tendency to relive their childhood experiences and marry people or get involved with people who will abuse them. Mm -hmm. It's what they know. It's what they understand. It's like the
1: alcoholic, in a sense, who marries the alcoholic.
3: Yes. It feels natural. It may not be the right thing, but it feels normal because Mm -hmm. that's what you're used to. And the hardest thing to do is to break out of that and realize that you don't have to keep repeating the same lousy experiences forever. And where do
1: you think the breaking point comes? Is it one day where you wake up and say, I can't do this anymore
3: because it hurts too much? I think for everybody there's a different point. I mean, if that point comes, but you realize that you're not happy and you're not going to be happy until you do something different. And finding your way through what has happened to you to finding a new place to be and a new place to put your mind and a new way to think about yourself takes a very substantial effort and it takes a long time. It's not, you know, you don't just make a decision and poof, it happens. Mm -hmm. It's a process. Now, one of the things you talk about
1: in the book a lot is the title of your book. The title of your book is a 12-Foot Teepee, and it's really about part of your healing was you built a 12-foot teepee in your backyard, and you spent a lot of time there. Tell us about that.
3: Well, this is one of those things where you can only say, well, God must have said it because I don't know where it came from. One day I was looking for a playhouse for my granddaughter, and... Suddenly I said, a teepee, I'm going to build a teepee. And I don't know where it came from, but it did. And the process of building a teepee, which is a very intimate process of you and trees and knives, and it's a very physical process, you know, Mm -hmm. for those of us that tend to be kind of intellectualized, different when you're involved in a physical process where you have to do something by hand and it's a repetitive, careful process and it gave me a lot of time to think. In fact, it forced me to use the time to think Mm -hmm. and I started to write at the same time. Mm -hmm. My brother had just died and I had a lot of grief to deal with Mm -hmm. and I also felt that my brother had never been able to tell his story, and I needed to tell the story not just for me, but also for him and for all the other kids who were now, now still 40 or 50 years old but were still inside just abused children.
1: Gary, what was your experience of Marilyn building the TP, and your experience of that with her? How did you see all that?
2: Well, uh, on a on the on the physical level, I I, I helped out with the um, with the early process of uh, trundling the uh, the building materials around, and I was proud of the fact that I was able to uh, lend a little physical labor to, you know, wheelbarrows of foundation materials being trundled from one part of our long driveway to another. So I helped out there, and uh, uh, I just sort of kept myself in the background because I knew Marilyn was in her office, and I, she was there literally day after day after day spending 10-plus um, hours each day working on the book. And as someone in the business, as we say, I knew that she had something going. So I, I just wanted to make sure that, that she was still on it and just sort of quietly encourage her to keep at it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask Gary this question, because I know that the TP was
1: very spiritual for you, Marilyn, and I know that it brought you to another space in a sense of being able to really meditate and tune in. Gary, did you spend time in the TP at all? And if you did, did it have an effect on you being inside?
2: Oh, I have to be very honest here. Um, I, I haven't spent very much time in the TP. Um, I did, after much um, urging by Merrill, I did spend a little time in there, and I have to say I did sense a little bit of what she was feeling Mm -hmm. But I don't think I was on quite the same wavelength. But, you know, what was really great about the TP is you could get yourself away from um, the the turmoil that was outside, both, you know, uh, from from people who would be banging on the door and the dogs barking and that sort of thing. And you could find yourself sort of in a a different world, so to speak. Mm
1: -hmm. I know, Marilyn, one of the things that you've written... And I want to read it because I think it's important. And it and it, it brings me up to the TP. You say your ability to be happy is not dependent on whether or not you've solved your problems. Happiness is independent of circumstances and comes from within you.
3: Yes. Yes, that was my great discovery. Turns out that it's one of those discoveries that everybody who finds themselves in this process makes, which is that, you know, we always blame our misery on other things. We blame it on on our upbringing. Our parents abused us or our parents didn't understand us or on poverty. We don't have enough money or on our bosses because they don't treat us right, you know. But, in fact, you can be happy under any circumstances because you are the source of your own happiness and you are the only source of your own happiness. It's... Difference. There's a big difference in being without problems and being happy. You can have no problems. You can be rich. You can have absolutely everything going for you and be absolutely miserable. Yeah. To be happy, you have to find a core inside yourself where your happiness lives. Mm-hmm. You have to find that little piece of yourself which is yourself
1: and for you it was going inside the TP. but what do you suggest to people? What is your advice to folks who feel turmoil, who feel shame and anger and angst? What's your advice?
3: Well, the first thing is figure out who you're angry about or who you're angry at or what you're angry about. Mm-hmm. You need to do a lot of forgiving. And I don't mean, when, when I say forgiving, people don't, Get what I mean because they think that that means it's like, well, your friend, you got mad at your friend and if you forgive your friend, you're going to be friends again. It's not that kind of forgiving. It's a forgiving in a very Judeo-Christian sense, which is that you recognize that the people against whom you hold anger The things that are making you angry are not being changed by your anger. The only person you're hurting is yourself. Uh, Nobody's staying up late saying, oh, my God, Marilyn is angry with me. You have to let go of that and recognize that God will take care of Mm -hmm. the reckoning. That's Mm -hmm. not your job. Mm -hmm. That everybody has their own pile of rocks to haul around and your job is not to deal with their problems. Your job is to let go of yours and recognize that that's what you can do. You Mm -hmm. are not in a position to change anybody else or All right, we're going to take a break and when we come back,
1: we're going to talk more about forgiveness and about your book and really about the whole idea of abuse, and how we can heal from it. My guest today is Marilyn Armstrong, and she's a writer, and her book is The 12-Foot Teepee, and it's actually a novel, but it's based on her own experience and her own background. And it's a novel about a woman who's haunted by memories of an abusive father, dogged by ill health, and besieged by creditors. As her troubles begin to engulf her, she decides to build a teepee. And in the TP, she starts to find herself. And so although it is not an autobiography, it's based on her own life. And her husband, Gary Armstrong, who's been in the media, um, is also on the program with her today. And, folks, if you have any questions about abuse or about healing, uh, we would love to have you call in. And you can call us at 866 if you're listening live on Monday, which is, the, which is April 28th. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin.
4: Stay tuned, we'll be right back. News, Opinion.
0: can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866
4: 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Had an accident? The
4: people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with Attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday, at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with Attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Uh, as I say, it's always an honor and pleasure to be back here with Voice America. We are now, actually, I think right now we're in year seven of this program. So I've always kind of been ahead of my time with believing that the Internet is the future and the future is now and it is, and Voice America's been here that long. And they're offering wonderful programs to really help us improve the quality of our lives. So tune in here each week, Positive Living, 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern, and tune in to the other great programs that are also on Voice America. Today we're talking about healing from abuse and from child abuse and also from, from not only just child abuse, but any kind of abuse in our life. My guest today is Marilyn Armstrong, and her book is a novel, but it's based on her own life and her own experience. And the name of her book is The 12-Foot Teepee. And today she's talking about a novel of survival And Renewal, that's what the 12-foot teepee is about. It's based closely on her experience as a victim of child abuse, how it impacted her life, and how building a teepee in the woods behind her home led her to a quest for spirituality and hope. Welcome back, Marilyn. Thank you. And also on the phone with her is her husband, Gary, who's been with her many, many years and is in the media. And um, we're getting his perspective about this as well. You know, one of the things that I had said to you actually during the break is that, and... And you both had talked about that, Gary, you knew when you married Marilyn and when you got involved with her that she had been a victim of child abuse. And that's heavy because, you know, that means that sometimes her perceptions are not like everybody else's. So she might react to you in a way that that she might not have if she hadn't been abused. So the question is, talk about, you know, you taking this on because this wasn't an easy thing to do. And, Marilyn, you talk about it as well.
2: Right. Um, Patricia, uh, I I dealt with it from a couple of different perspectives. First of all, as as Marilyn's husband, and again, as someone who's known her 40-odd years, and also as a reporter, used to dealing with stories like this. And I sort of saw myself as a fixer-upper. So I may have blundered in suggesting to Marilyn that she could fix it up with her dad, Mm -hmm. even though I knew what kind of person he was. And I put her in very awkward positions, where she was trying to do the right thing, and he turned around and he hurt her even more. Mm-hmm. So I had to deal with that particular uh, injustice, if you want to call it that. And I had to take a step back and say to myself, Gary, you may not know exactly what the right answer is here. Just be there for your wife.
3: One of, one of the things that people think they've learned from Hollywood is that child abusers, are really sorry, and all they're looking for is the right opportunity to apologize to their victims. But this is actually not at all true. Most child abusers don't think they've done anything wrong, have no intention of apologizing, never will apologize. They either block the whole thing and say it never happened, uh, or they... Okay, uh, so wait a minute. The...
1: How do you forgive that? Now, let's talk. How do you, when you know that it was wrong, how do you forgive a dad who can look at you and say, I did nothing wrong? How how do you go through that process, Marilyn?
3: Well, it wasn't easy. First of all, you've forgiven it truly in a higher sense, in 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 the sense that you realize that, he was made this way by things that happened to him. I mean, unless you're some of the friends I've got who simply believe that he's demon-possessed, <laughs> that's a different issue. Uh, but if you're looking at it from a more psychological point of view, you say he was, a, he was himself a very horribly abused child. Mm-hmm. Most child- There it is again. ...were abused children, and they're reiterating the pattern, they're reliving... They are being what they know how to be, which unfortunately isn't a very good person. So I can only believe that in his own way, he has certainly paid a very, very heavy price. Mm -hmm. He's estranged from all of his children, from all of his grandchildren. Uh, Now, he tells everybody that he currently knows that he's, he's just got rotten children, but he knows better than that. Mm-hmm. And I tried for many years to fix it up, and Gary thought that, I, you know, that somehow or other if we just worked at it, it would somehow come right. Mm. But there came a day when I realized it was never going to be right, and every attempt I made to make it right made it, from my point of view, worse and that there comes a very sad moment in the life of a child who was abused by an unrepentant parent or some other adult, when you have to pack it in and say, this is not going to be made better by anything that I can do, I leave it to my higher power, to God, whatever you believe in, it's not mine to fix. I'm going to move on. And from my
2: end of the... The perspective. Yeah. Um, my hope for a happy ending, a happy resolution, uh, I had to really comprehend that um, it was getting worse. And as it was getting worse, Marilyn's dad continued in, in denial. And so I, I really had to take that major step backwards and, and, and just look at what was happening to and so, was,
3: Marilyn. So Marilyn,
1: what, story, I,
3: what do you... <laughs>
1: What advice do you give to, to folks who have been through this and are contemplating having
3: children? Well, first of all, this in all seriousness, it doesn't... You should get therapy, first of all. You absolutely should get some kind of therapy, individual, for yourself to recognize and comprehend what was done to you and comprehend... What kind of pattern you may have. When my son was born, I found that when I got, when he cried a lot or he was colicky or he was just being difficult, I would find this this rage building in me. I'd say, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit him. And so I developed a pattern where when I got that, when I started to get angry in that way, I would take him, I would put him in his room, and I would lock the door, and I wasn't locking him in. I was locking me up. Yourself. Yeah. Because I knew that if I lost control, I would do something that I would forever regret. So I trained myself to control that anger. But I also had a lot of help. I had, I don't know, five or six years of therapy when I was very young. And I've had intermittent therapy throughout my life. And I've worked with psychic healers as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you: um, Did you also in this in the abuse piece was there um, sexual abuse as well? Yes. Do you think it's? Do you think Marilyn that it's all the same, or do you think when the sexual piece comes in that it's that it's different?
3: You no, know, I don't think the sexual part makes that much of a difference because it's almost always a package deal. You know, if you're being sexually abused, you're probably being emotionally abused and mentally abused and verbally abused. And from what I have seen from the many, many people I know who were abused as children, it's horribly common. Uh, emotional abuse actually leaves deeper, longer scars yes. than anything else because it's, you can... You can dissociate yourself out of a physical situation. You can make your mind go away to the point where you actually don't remember at all what happened. But emotional abuse, which grinds at you day after day after day, just cuts your self-esteem down to nothing. It makes you feel like, well, you know, your parents are like God to you when you're a kid. It's Mm -hmm. like you're being rejected by your maker. And all you can think of is that you must be bad. There must be something wrong mm-hmm. with you. You must be an in- institution. In- Let me
1: ask Gary. Gary, we have a few minutes left before break. When when Marilyn, uh, did you understand when Marilyn's behavior would change and in, in, in didn't seem normal in quotes, like she react to you in a way that was the way an abused child would react. How, how did you deal with that and understand it?
2: I didn't deal with it very well in the beginning. and As a matter of fact, it, it, it's taken me a long time, but that has as much to do with uh, my own immaturity. Uh, thinking more about myself, after all, being in the media for all these years, I thought of myself first and how people looked at me. And when Marilyn was having her her problems, I thought it had something to do with me, and I got very angry with her. So it's been a learning process for me also. So I didn't, to be really honest. I didn't deal with it as well as I should have dealt with it in the beginning. It's been a long, long journey.
1: Mm. But obviously it's been very worth it for you. Absolutely. What has been, what's been, where are the
2: rewards? Well, the rewards are... This is going to sound really corny, but I love my wife. I really do. It's taken me a long time to realize how important she is to me and all the little things that she's done for me that no one else has done for me in my life and how difficult it has been for her to do these things to me in spite of myself and in spite of all the things that she's had to deal with in not only in, in, in her childhood but in her adult years also. I mean... She's had to deal with some people who have not been very nice to her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would put myself right in there, at least at the beginning of our marriage. Mm
3: -hmm. Marilyn, your comment. I think. Well, I also think that whether Gary wants to admit it or not, it took him a long time to realize that he had created for himself a childhood that he didn't really have. He kept saying he had had this wonderful, wonderful childhood. But if you looked at it, it really was.
1: All right, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more to Marilyn and Gary Armstrong. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back.
5: as well as the newest winemakers to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways even into supermarket wine aisles where Women & Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more Women & Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel Women & Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time I can take care of myself
3: What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili, Radio to Thrive By. New Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
4: VoiceAmerica.com.
3: Hi
1: everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can give us a call if you're listening live today on Monday, April 28th, between two and three Eastern and between eleven and noon Pacific. The number to call is 866-472-5788. We're talking today about healing from child abuse. And my, my guest today is author Marilyn Armstrong. Her book is The 12 Foot Teepee. And this book really is about spiritual renewal and hope after child abuse. And she, this was based closely on her experience as a victim of child abuse, how it impacted her life. And she built a teepee in the woods behind her home, which led to a quest of spirituality and hope. Now, the book is not autobiographical; it is a novel, but it is based on her life. Welcome back, Marilyn, and welcome back Gary, who is Marilyn's husband, who's been in the media and gives us his perspective. Welcome back, back, both. Marilyn, talk a little bit about building the, the teepee and the process of that.
3: Well, it was. Well, first of all. It became a kind of a holy question. It also became a kind of a, a process of visualization because with each thing that I accomplished toward making the teepee into a real place, I envisioned that I was climbing a mountain. And each level that I went up, I dropped another heavy piece of stone. And each of these stones represented some pain or some grudge or some piece of anger or some person that had hurt me or offended me or, you know. And in some cases, it was dropping things that I hated about myself, things that I had done that I was not proud of. There were, and there was a lot of weight that I had been carrying, and it was almost a physical feeling of letting this stuff go and suddenly, like, oh, wow. Wow. I don't have to haul that anymore. How much
1: would you say the T P helped you just being in there? Was it a major transformation for you?
3: It was, although I think in the end I could have done it pretty much any I mean the T P was just my vehicle particular way. I know other people who but although everybody has done some form of visualization, almost everybody Independently, I know at least four other authors who've written books about their childhood experiences of being abused, and all of them went through the same process of visualizing dropping heavy stones or something else that they were hauling, and they had to make some kind of a mental journey by which they transformed themselves over a period of time. It wasn't a teepee for everybody. For me, it was a teepee for somebody else. It was imagining a long walk through a very dark wood. But everybody had this form the same visual, and we didn't know each other. We all met each other on a child abuse discussion group on Amazon, and it turned out all five of us, all five of the members had written books about it, and we all had created the same visual. So there must be something about that visual. Which mm-hmm. enables you to let let it go. I'm not quite sure why, but mm-hmm. we all found it, and we all found it independently. World, different ages and and backgrounds. Interesting. It was the visual of a TP. No, it was a visual of a journey mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. Which, during which period we kept dropping off pieces of weight, and the weight was the weight of anger and pain and despair and disappointment and hurt. Mm-hmm. And for each person, it was a different process. But for everybody, it was the same essential visual, which was that of a journey, usually up a mountain.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, because it was up a mountain. Carrie, I want to ask you in Marilyn going through her journey, how did this impact you on discovering your own journey and
2: kind of looking at some of the pieces of your past for healing? Well, it, it, you know, interesting you ask that question because it in, enabled me to, and I had much less damaging baggage, but obviously we all carry baggage, but Marilyn and Marilyn's book enabled me to start getting rid of some of my own baggage, both professional and personal family baggage that I had carried around for many, many years, and that was preventing me from growing uh, which was preventing me from defining myself in a in a positive way so that uh, it ha- had a terrific uh, ripple effect. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Marilyn, did you write this book solely really kind of as a, in a way, a purging for yourself? Or when you wrote it, did you say to yourself, you know, I really want to help other people? Or do you think it was both?
3: It was both. I mean, actually, I wasn't thinking about helping myself at all. I just knew that there was a book that I had to write. I mean, I've always been a writer. I mean, this is not the first book I've written. It's the Mm -hmm. first book I've published that wasn't a book about something. I've always written documents about things, Mm -hmm. you know, computers and and how-to books and stuff like that. I've written newspaper articles and news and stuff like that, but i would never sat down and really written something, it came out of my gut. Mm-hmm. But I knew was it, it was difficult to it. write? I'm sorry, what? Was it
1: difficult and painful to write because of the things that came up?
3: Oddly enough, no. Once I started it, it was like it had been sitting there waiting and it was already there, and all I had to do was let it fall out of my hands. It took me five months to get it all down, and then it took me another seven months to edit it into something that somebody besides me could understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first draft was, I mean, it just kept coming. And the only thing was that I was afraid to stop writing. I was afraid to sleep. I was afraid to eat. I was afraid to get up from the computer because I was afraid that if I stopped, I would lose it. That, you know, whatever muse was driving me, that it would, you know, take a vacation and I wouldn't get it back. I want to read something
1: that you've also written in your book. You say... You are not what has happened to you. You are not what you have done to others. You are not what you lack. You are not what was done to you. Explain
3: that. Well, you see this a lot. Somebody is... Okay, I know this guy through an organization that we both belong to, and he was a high-level manager for a large corporation for over 30 years. And as he approached 60, they let him go. They do that a lot because they don't want to fund pensions or because they decide people are too old and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. But it happens a lot, and it happens to a lot of people. And he said for years after that, all he could think of himself was as the guy they fired. He didn't think of himself as all of the successful years Mm -hmm. that he'd worked. All he was was the guy who'd lost the job until eventually, you know, he had to start rethinking that and say, wait a minute, what about all the rest of it? It helps if you've got, a you know, a friend or a wife or somebody who cares about you who will sit down and keep reminding you that, you know, that your life is not just that single event. It's many, many things. We hmm. tend to define ourselves not by the best things we've done. For some reason, most people define themselves by the worst things yeah. that have happened. Mm-hmm. To, Instead of the best. What is... I don't understand that, but we do it. It's very human.
1: Marilyn, what do you think is the greatest gift, and I'm using that word purposely,
3: that has come out of the child abuse for you? The ability to understand other people's pain and to... Empathize. Mm -hmm. I really do understand when somebody says, you know, they're hurting. I really understand what they mean. And I don't underestimate how much it hurts. And I have been able to help some people get past it by, you know, Mm -hmm. by sometimes by the simple expedient of saying, that happened to you 30 years ago. Yeah. Have you thought about moving on, letting it go? Mm -hmm. And I can help them do that because I've done it. But a lot of people don't even realize that they're being held back by something that happened very often. So long ago. They haven't let it go. So long ago that the person who did it is dead. Yeah. Gary, what would you say has been the
1: lesson for you from Marilyn's experience? What have you gained?
2: Well, to a certain extent, it's it's very, very similar. I spent a whole lot of years as a a journalist, as a reporter, Fixing, fixing the lives of other people, being very empathetic to other people. And, and I really connected with all of these other people, but I didn't really do it with my own family. And most, most importantly, I didn't do it with my, with my wife. So what I have learned, again, from, from her book, from her writing, from her sharing of these things, I've learned to do, I've learned that, that thing about charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it, it's been a difficult journey because you you know as you well know we often have two two faces two images and it's been very difficult for me to pull back and say God my wife is going through a lot of pain and I really need to, to recognize that and I really need to be able to let her let her deal some of the same affection that I've been giving to mm-hmm. strangers in many cases. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's very interesting. We are talking to Marilyn Armstrong as well as her husband, Gary, and we're talking about her book, which is called The 12-Foot TP. It's a novel of survival and renewal based closely on Marilyn Armstrong's experience as a victim of child abuse, how it impacted her life, and how building a TP in the woods behind her home led her to a quest of spirituality and hope. It is a novel about a small rural town in New England, but it is, in a lot of ways, autobiographical. And on the program with her is her husband, Gary, who's been in the media for many, many years and also sheds his insight and light into this. Folks, there's still time to call in at 866-472-5788 if you have any questions about healing from abuse. And, and having the kind of hopeful life that you would like. Remember, uh, and, and is there, if there is a website. You can log on to marilyn-armstrong.com. Marilyn-Armstrong.com and the book is a 12-foot teepee. Folks, you can write to me at Patricia at RaskinResources.com and uh, when we come back there's going to be another segment and there's certainly time for you to give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Remember, this program is always on Voice America on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be
4: right
3: back. Music.
4: talk 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 that's all we do is talk if you'd like to talk call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 that's it that's it voiceamerica.com
3: if you want to put the pet back in your step chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for
2: Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kinda like Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just dunno,
4: pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh. oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. All Things Music with composer and songwriter Tara Tucker brings to the Voice America channel music genres not typically heard on your FM radio dial. World music, folk, indie, classical, religious, early medieval. What you won't hear is Top 40, Rap or Rock or Celebrity News from the Streets or the Tabloids of Hollywood. Each week Tara will showcase a different musical style. The musicians who perform it, the history behind it and she promises to broaden your musical horizons. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific to All Things Music with Tara Tucker on On the Voice America channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, and we have a great program for you today. You can still call in if you're listening live on April 28th on Monday, which would be 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 to noon Pacific. My guest today is Marilyn Armstrong, and she is the author of the novel, The 12-Foot Teepee, a novel of survival and renewal, based closely on her experience as a victim of child abuse, how it impacted her life, and how building a teepee in the woods behind her home led her to a quest for Spirituality and Hope, and she's also on today with her husband, Gary, who's been in the media and is sharing his experiences as the spouse and also as an individual who's been, you know, who has witnessed a lot of this. Okay, Marilyn, here's the tough question, and this is a question that, for listeners, there are a lot of people that are going to listen to this interview, and they're going to say, well, she can talk about this, but I can't. And there are a lot of spouses saying, boy, he's, he's courageous. I wouldn't talk about this. What do you say to the people who are going through this, have been through this, who are carrying all this pain and aren't talking?
3: Well, first of all, I know that it's hard to talk about. It's hard to admit. It's humiliating. It makes you feel, especially, if, if, I think, harder for men than for women. Uh, but when we don't talk, we don't say what happened. We don't name the bad guy. They get away with it. And this is how they get away with it. They get away with it by first beating you into submission as a child, either mentally or physically or both, usually both. And by the time you're a teenager, you would rather die than tell your friend what happened to you. And then by the time you're an adult, You're so used to not talking about it that you don't. But the thing is that the people who do this count on your silence. Your silence is empowering them. Mm -hmm. If we
1: stand up... Meaning it's empowering the perpetrator, the people that are are the abusers.
3: Exactly. They don't... Okay, you're not going to probably be able to send them to prison. They're probably not going to get what they deserve from the law. But at least they can be made to. Face what they did. They at least should be confronted, regardless of whether or not it's going to change them. They need to know that they're not they're not off the hook. That people know. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your siblings. Tell tell people. First, it will help you. You'll feel better because it's shocking how many other people have similar tales to tell. And once you start talking. They start talking. It's one of the miracles of this book is that people read it and they come back and they say, I mean, this includes people who've interviewed me on television and people that I've met tangibly on lines in grocery stores. Many, many children were abused, especially around the time in the 50s and stuff when I was growing up, when, oh. hey, nobody thought anything about it. It wasn't a big deal. You know, so you hit your kids, so what? But there was a lot more than that going on. And mm-hmm. because of that, mm. a lot of these people, like like my father, never paid any kind of a price. They never, ever paid. Yeah. Carrie, it, your comments on this.
2: Well, my comments, we were talking about this during the last break, about those of us who have difficulty in opening up or letting go. And I need to do a quick name-dropping thing here, Patricia. Um When he passed away a few weeks ago, I was sharing with friends some some personal stories about the late Charlton Heston. And the reason I mention him is that I have the good fortune to to know Heston. And we got to talking one day, and he was talking about separating his public image from his personal image. Mm -hmm. And I've known a number of people like that. And I bring it back to myself. I've had all these years of Gary Armstrong, the public persona. And I have been absolutely, until very recently, unable to open up myself, give of myself, because I don't know whether it's a guy thing or what, what you want to call it, it's been very, very difficult for me to just relax and talk about my own demons and, by that virtue, help my wife with hers. Mm. So you can really relate to what Marilyn's
1: saying about that in, in many cases, not all, in many cases, men have a hard time with this.
2: Oh, we do. We do. I mean, uh, in my case, my my father just never, ever talked about the things in his life that, that um, he had to yeah. do with. And, and that's, that's interesting because you're I a communicator.
1: I mean, that's what you did for a living. So you would think that it would have been easier for you to open up about things like this.
2: Absolutely. that's why I did the quick charlton heston story um, mm-hmm. you know for those of us who excel in, in in the public image it it is in many cases very difficult to do it at home
3: yeah and yeah. and
2: the to really i mean there is a happy ending to this to to this story yeah. and that's that, that's what you're hearing today in that Marilyn and i and we're going through some difficult uh, things right now, but we can talk to each other and we can share and um it is it's, it's it, it is so rewarding. It really is so yeah, rewarding. That's what's so important.
1: One of the things that you write in your book, Marilyn, more than once, is that feeling better doesn't mean a Hollywood happy ending.
3: No. Explain that. You can feel a lot better, but your bills aren't going to go away. <laughs> you know, your job isn't going to necessarily improve. You know, the problems that you've got, your real-life problems, are your real life problems? They don't just they don't just disappear, you know. Because you're feeling better and you've dealt with your demons, doesn't mean that your bills vanish and people stop calling you about money or that your physical problems, you know, diminish. But it does mean that you realize that life is good. You can enjoy your life even when it isn't quite the way you had hoped it was going to be, mm-hmm. and, and it's okay. It's okay for life to not be perfect. Yeah. It's okay to deal, you know, to deal with a world that hasn't dealt with you fairly. Right. It doesn't deal with most people. feelings. Case yeah. in
2: point, I'm sitting here as we're talking to you, Patricia, and my right, I've just gone through some extensive uh, shoulder surgery, and so I'm housebound. And the simple, the simple reason for mentioning this is that not too long ago, I would have found some reason for blaming Marilyn for my not feeling well. <laughs> that's stupid, but I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the way it, it works sometimes.
3: Yeah, It's very easy to wind up blaming the person who's nearest to you. Sure, And sure. That's One of the things that happens in with people who are troubled, if you're not going to confront the person who really did it, the odds are pretty good that you're going to blame somebody who really had nothing to do with it at all and doesn't even understand.
1: Yeah. All right, we That's have just attitude. a
3: couple of minutes left, so
1: closing thoughts from both of you very quickly. Marilyn, if people get one thing out of this interview today on healing from child abuse, what would you like them to get?
3: That they can do it, that it's never easy, uh, it's not simple, and it doesn't happen in a minute. But if you want to be free of it, you can get free of it. You just have to want to and be dedicated to making it happen. Thank you. And
2: Gary? And for the guys out there, husbands or boyfriends or fathers, dare I say, um, listen listen to what the ladies are saying. I mean, really listen. Don't just pretend you're listening. And it doesn't make you any less of a man to to hear your heart
3: hmm.
2: and go with your
3: heart.
1: Thank you both for coming on the program today. This was courageous. This isn't an easy topic.
3: Thank you both. No, but it's a, I, I feel it's terribly important that people start to hear that this stuff happens. It happened. It's probably still happening around the mm-hmm. corner from you next mm-hmm. door to you. You know, it has nothing to do with your your status in society mm-hmm. or how much money you've got. Exactly. exactly. Rich kids, poor kids, black kids, white kids. You know, it doesn't. Thank matter. you.
1: Thanks both for coming on the program. Stay on Thank the line. Thank you. you.
3: All right, Marilyn and
1: Gary Armstrong. Marilyn is the author of the novel 12-foot teepee, a novel of survival and renewal, based closely on her experience as a victim of child abuse and how she built a teepee in the woods behind her home and it led her on a quest for spirituality and hope. And you can log on to Marilyn-Armstrong.com. Folks, next week my guest is Terry Wilderman, who's a corporate trainer, certified executive coach, and resiliency coach. And she talks about communications, team building, conflict management, and the law of attraction. And for over 30 years, has worked with thousands of professionals. And she'll talk how to improve communications and relationships with your family, friends, and coworkers, and create more harmony in your life and reduce stress. Folks, remember, as I always say at the end of Positive Living, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week for Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great Monday and a great week.
0: Been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.
4: Have you ever thought about having your own?